0: Well, this morning, I am really excited about our speaker that's been with us all weekend. He is our church coach. Uh, You know, we are an ARC church. He is one of the founders and board members of ARC. He planted a church in Minneapolis years ago that is just thriving for God. One of the funnest, healthiest, uh, best spirited churches I've ever been a part of. I mean, they have the most positive, life giving culture and atmosphere, and it flows out of this guy's heart. You're going to love him this morning. He is. One of the most humble leaders I know, but one of the most passionate people for people. I mean, he lives for people and to share Jesus with people. He has this brand new book that just came out. We're the very first church that gets it. And it's called Change Before You Have To. He's going to be preaching about it this morning, but I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this on your way out. If you cannot, they're $10. If you don't have $10, pick up a copy anyways. We'll pay for it. Uh, I told him whatever books are missing, we're going to write a check because we want to make sure everybody in our church gets this book and has an opportunity to get it. So do not let money hold you back. If you want the book, go ahead and pick up a copy. We want to invest it into your life because we know this will help you become everything God wants you to be. But he's a dear friend. As you know, I became a first-time senior pastor about two years ago. I was a total rookie. I had no idea what I was getting into or doing. And how many of you will agree with me? I threw a lot of interceptions my first year as a pastor. Uh, I promise you I'm getting better. Every year I'm getting better. I'm not there yet. I'll still throw some interceptions. But... I am really blessed and fortunate to have a coach like Rob who came in and really spoke into my life and helped me understand some things and has challenged me to, to love Jesus and to love people and be the best pastor that I can be. So before we welcome him this morning, I want you to watch this quick uh, clip of, of, of his church in Minneapolis and who we have this morning.
1: The responsibility of being a pastor, I take seriously. Um, I try to attach faces to everybody that I'm thinking about. You know, I'm thinking about the person that doesn't know Jesus. I have a responsibility to them. The person that's new in their faith, I have a responsibility to them. The people that have been around for a while, I have a responsibility to them. And uh, you wake up every day realizing, hey, we've got to make this happen. And I'm not that good. I've got to rely on God today. I was led to the Lord at a Billy Graham crusade, and uh, ever since then, I've just had a passion uh, for reaching lost people. Uh, I guess you could say I'm part pastor, part evangelist. And uh, as somebody that's got that heart of an evangelist, I'm always about let's reach the next person that needs to have faith in Jesus Christ. I get energized by staying connected to people. Um, I think numbers numb us. But people energize us. And if I could give any advice to pastors, it's stay connected to people. Hear the life change stories. Uh, Hear the good. See the growth. Uh, Hear the testimonies of what's going on. Because when you get too far removed, numbers will just numb you. And reports don't inspire, but life change does. Oh, man. It's good to be with you guys, and I, that video was done for a conference that I spoke at in March. It's hard to believe since March, we now have seven campuses, and getting ready to do an eighth one, and we kind of figured this multi-site thing out, but uh, it's good to be with you guys here, and I love your pastors, and I know you do too. Uh, we met Aaron uh, at a uh, just a dinner. We happened to sit at a table right next to each other a couple years ago, and how many know that God can get you to the right people, okay? You don't have to force your... Way, but god will get you there and we started talking and he said hey would you be willing to coach me and uh to help me grow as a pastor and he's like i really would love that and uh, he's like we'll bring you out by the way did i tell you i pastor in southern california and i know you're in minnesota where it gets cold we'll bring you out in the winter you know and i said yeah okay i'm hearing the lord right there okay and uh, which this morning, we actually got up early, went to Lucadia Donuts, got a donut, and then went down to the beach and worked it off, okay, and went <laughs> back and forth. And, uh, but we, we loved them, and it wasn't here, it was them. And uh, I said, you know what, I see you, Aaron, you have such potential. You've come from a large uh, inner-city church, the Dream Center, and now you're pastoring a church and doing this, and I think you have gigantic upside, and I want to help you in any way that I can. And uh, we love Aaron and Amanda, and we love Asher. They've been out to our church and have been to our staff meeting. And uh, I know you love them, but I want you to show your appreciation. Can you show your appreciation for them? Yes. Yes. that's good so we're, we're out here we were out in hawaii and we were coming back and he said will you stop in and and preach i said well the book just came out we just launched it and he said let's go ahead and do this and uh really we we just launched it at the church the last couple of weeks and uh, here's how it came about uh about the book my wife and i were out to eat with some other friends And uh, when we were out to eat with them, it was one of those conversations where you start saying, what would you do if this happened? What would you do if that happened? And uh, all of a sudden I said to my friend, if something happened to your wife, you'd be a basket case. What would you do? And he goes, oh, I know I'm so high maintenance. I don't know what I do. And then then he said, what would you do if something happened to Becca? You wouldn't know what to do either. And I go, you're right. I'd be totally lost without her. And I said, I'd have to lose weight. And my friend looks at me like, dude, you just said that out loud. And Becca looks at me like, why did you, you know, and she's thinking, why would, if I died, why would you have to lose weight? And then I'm looking for a lie at that moment, you know, as a pastor. And my friend blurts out, what he's saying is he couldn't attract a woman that looks like you if he looked like that. (laughs) Go ahead and stand up, honey, and show, you know, there's my wife, Becca, here. And then she's like, seriously, you would lose weight for a woman that doesn't even exist? But the woman that made a vow to you, you're just content, you know, growing, you know. She goes, that's terrible. And I was like, that is. So I I promise you, honey, I'll change. I'll go in. I'll I'll go to the doctor this week. I'll pretend like I had a heart attack. And I'll, I'll I'll, you know, I won't, like, fake it, you know, but but I'll pretend. And I'll tell the doctor to tell me what to do. And she's like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, let's see the change. And I did. I went in that week to the doctor and I said, treat me like I had a heart attack. I'm changing my diet. I'm going to start working out. I got a trainer. I did all this stuff. And I I changed uh, because I wanted to do it before I had to. Why not do that? I thought it's way easier to change before you have to rather than because you have to. And so from that, I started looking at the word of God to say, what's there? Uh, Is there something positive for us to learn to change before we have to? We're going to look at that today. But then all of a sudden, it turned into a book. Somebody heard about this idea, and they said, let's turn it into a book. And so it was just released, literally last week, uh, went out to the bookstores, and uh, it's available online. And uh, the publisher was like, let's get it out right before Thanksgiving. You know, a lot of people buy on Christmas gifts, and then change before you have to with New Year's resolutions. So I'm like, perfect, let's do that. And uh, it's just a book on motivating change in all sorts of areas. It's not... Just weight loss, you're going to see that. It's not that. That's just a sliver of it Um, because there's so many other things we can change. Some of us are here, and we're hiding other things. We're, We're saying, okay, I look great, but nobody knows about my marriage. I look great, but nobody knows about our parenting situation. I look great, but nobody knows about my addiction. And so it's way more than that. This book deals with so many different things. And then uh, it's great for small groups. It has short chapters so you achievers feel like you're accomplishing things like another chapter done, another chapter, you know, short, quick with all that. And afterwards, I'll sign it. And uh, they're selling them for 10. We sold them at our church for 15. And so we're cutting a deal here. So we're doing that. But I just want you to see a little bit. We'll show this video and then we'll dig into the word. All right. So take a look at this. Somebody came up to me, and they said, Pastor Rob, they said, you have a great marriage, great kids. You're up there preaching. You got the spiritual life going on. And yet your physical is so bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm like addicted to Little Debbie snack cakes. You know what I mean? I'm addicted. <laughs> I got to admit, I was embarrassed. Like 38% body fat and 250 cholesterol. I just thought, wait a minute. I've got to change before I have to. And I have been there. Let me tell you something. I've been at the hospital where the guy has the heart attack and his whole life gets turned upside down. Worse than that, I have been there talking to the widow, devastated because her husband wouldn't change. What do you need to change? This is not like a weight loss clinic, okay? This is what do you need to change spiritually, relationally? Who do you need to forgive? What has God been just hammering on you and hammering on you and saying, it's time to change, it's time to change. We can either change because we have to, or we can change before we have to. Uh, Let me show you a picture of... Fat Rob and then New Rob. Okay, so here's my driver's license. You'll see the two here. Uh, that's the old driver's license and then the new one. And uh, I went from an XL shirt down to a medium. So that's what happened there. i actually did it. All right. Now, now, there's so much more to this, and we want to dig into this. And let me just set the stage. I believe that so many of us live in an area of what I call vulnerability. We live one paycheck away from losing it all because our finances are out of uh, out of whack. We live one staircase away from a heart attack because we're physically out of just out of step. We are one moment away in our marriage because we won't uh, change. We're just one moment away. Maybe, maybe somebody w- was on their way to church on another day and you were coming here and your marriage is in such uh, trouble that you turned around because you thought we're not even going to church. We've been fighting. We've been screaming at each other. And here we're going to church. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Some people are addicted to things and you're vulnerable. You're, you're one click of the mouse away from going too far at work and you could lose it all because of your policy. You're one moment away where somebody will walk in on you in your addiction. And you live in vulnerability. You're one just short little distance away from losing it all. And God says, I don't want you to stay there. Matter of fact, the Bible says in John 10, 10 the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants you to be vulnerable. That's right, he wants you to be vulnerable so he can pick you off. But Jesus says, I've come that you would have life. That we could get to stability. I've come that you would have life. But then he doesn't stop there. I've come that you'd have life and life more abundantly. And the word that he uses for abundantly, he's saying, I want you to have a life that is full of super abundance. I want you to be so good that it rolls out onto other people, that you have so much in you, so much extra, that you're following me, you're in vitality, that it's oozing out of you that others can benefit from it. And this super abundance life that he has for us in every area of our life, whatever it is that we need to change, he's saying, I want every area of your life to be living in super abundance so it can spill out onto other people. And that word super abundance, it means, again, having more than you need, enough for everyone else. And uh, it actually is kind of an illustration of like a toddler or a young child that has so much energy, they, they don't even need all of it. And when I thought of this, when I was studying for this, do you know who came to my mind? Asher. Asher came to my mind. And that guy has more energy. And he's like, go, go. The first time we met, we were at the hotel and and he was, and he had like fries on the table and he put out some in and back he went. Just super abundance of energy. And when I saw him, I was like, I want some of that. And if you've ever thought that about him, like, I I want that energy, you know what that means? It means you're old. I'm just saying, because. That he has more than he needs. And, and here's what should be happening. You should have more than you need in your marriage, in your physical life, in your spiritual life, and all that. So people see that and say, I want that. I want what they have. They're, they're, they're living in vitality. It's so good. I'm attracted to what they have. I want that. That's what I believe God wants us to have. And we'll have that if we change before we have to rather than pushing ourselves all the way to the edge. Now, as I was looking in the Word of God and I was trying to figure out who changed before they had to, and how did they do it? I found some examples, so that's why I did the book and the series, and that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. Just give you a, a, a taste of it. The, there's, the key to changing, I believe, is in our heart. I believe our heart, not our blood-pumping organ, you know, not that. I mean what the Bible talks about, that non-material side of man, the spirit, the mind, the conscience. I'm talking about the inner life that you and God know. We're in here where the Bible says there's something in your heart. Guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. It's saying there's something in here where you decide on the inside that you're really going to do what you say you're going to do. We want to protect the heart. We want to guard the heart. The Bible says it's so important. Matter of fact, as you're reading in your Bibles, you're doing soap. Uh, your church, I love this. You do scripture, observation, application, prayer. Want to let you know, we're doing the exact same scripture as you're doing right now. We're doing this together, and so we're reading Daniel at the same time you're reading Daniel. If you're not, you should. And in Daniel, it says Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. So inside, in here, he said, "You know what, God, I, I, I purpose in here that I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do the wrong thing." And he changed before he had to. If you think about it, the king's like, here's what I want you to eat. You're going to eat these meats and these things. And Daniel's like, no, that's going to make us fat. That's not going to work. What we need to eat is this over here. We're going to change before we have to. And so he goes to two different people saying, please let me change. Don't make me eat that. We'll do this. Give me 10 days. See if we're not better. We're going to show you that what we're doing is the right thing. It happened because inside his heart, he said, you know what? God, I purpose to follow you. So he's a great example of changing before you have to. But the, the key example is found in Second Kings chapter 22. It's in your notes, and I'm going to read it for you right out of that. And I want to talk to you about Josiah. Josiah was a young king, and he really gives us the keys to changing. In Second in Kings chapter 22, I'll start with verses 1 and 2, then we'll skip uh, down to 11. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jediah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Then verse 11. Okay, now let me just tell you what happens between 2 and 11. They go and clean out the temple. They clean out the temple, and they find some of God's words, some scrolls that were hidden. And they read it to him. And you know what happens? He gets convicted when they read those scrolls to him because it's God's word. And when you read God's word, you get convicted too. That's why you need to keep going to the word of God and you read it and it convicts you. So he sees this. He's convicted about what they read. And in verse 11, it says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes he gave these orders to the priests verse 13 and he says go and inquire of the lord for me and the people and for all judah about what is written in this book that has been found great is the lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book they have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us so they go and they clean things they they he says please seek god seek god we're in trouble in verse 19 this is god speaking he says because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the lord when you heard what i've spoken against this place and its people that they would become a curse and be laid waste and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence i have also heard you declares the lord Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So here are some keys to changing before we have to. And before we go into develop on the responsive heart, which is the third key, I'm going to give you three other things. So you can write those in your margin or at the bottom of your note page there, or just you're keeping notes digitally. These are not in the notes, but these are the three keys right away for uh, changing before you have to. The first thing we see that Josiah did is he went and humbled himself. He's the king. And the Bible says he went and tore his robes. That was a sign of humility. He's saying, God, I know I have great things. I have fancy clothes and all this. But I'm tearing it open, bearing my heart to you and saying, God, it's you and I. Deal with my heart. My heart is right with you. It's not about this. I humble myself. All this that I dress myself up with, gone. I'm going to do this. If we're going to change before we have to, we have to learn to be humble people. We do. People know more than you. People know more than you. Doctors know more than us. Your pastors, they're helping you to grow. We say, I don't want to obey that. I don't want to obey the doctor. There's people that are teachers. You say, I don't want to obey them either. Your boss, I don't want to obey them. Why? Because I'll do what I want to do we've got to be humble doctors will tell us do this do this do this take these pills do these exercises and you'll feel better and we leave their office and we don't do what they say they call it non-compliance we say well i got google i'll just google it and i'll do my own thing yeah that's how we live we've got to humble ourselves when i had i had major chest surgery when i was 11 years old they had to rebuild my whole chest i was born with with a caved-in chest and uh, they came in after the surgery and they said, Rob, you got to do this little thing and you blow into it and it helps develop your lungs. And it hurt like crazy. If anybody's had surgery, you know what I'm talking about. Hurt like crazy. I mean, they just ripped my chest open. And so every couple hours they come in, and they make me blow on this thing and you know they'd show up and I knew it was going to hurt, but I did it. And after a while, the nurse was like, wow, you, you do this all the time. Like you're really good. You're really obedient. And I was like, I didn't know there was an option, you know, like, <laughs> I just figured the doctor knew more than me. So I should do what he said, right? So if God knows more than you, then humble yourself and listen to what he's saying for you to change. Now, a second thing that, that Josiah shows us is he acts right away. It says, when the King heard this, he tore his robes and he gave these orders. He acted right away. Procrastination is your enemy. If you're going to change before you have to, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when he moves on you, go ahead and obey right away. I mean, Josiah was like, "This, go, fix it. I mean, how many know that Monday diets rarely work? Today I will gorge myself. Monday I'll have discipline. Why not have discipline right now? How many know that someday, someday we'll go to marriage counseling. How many know that someday rarely comes around until all of a sudden your spouse says, I'm leaving. Well, let's go to counseling. It, 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 you can't wait. You can't procrastinate. You can't keep putting it off. How many know the snooze button does not lead to abundant life? <laughs> Don't procrastinate. Go for it. It's a key to changing before you had to have to. And, and here's the key, the real key that is there about the heart. He had a responsive heart. In verse 19, it says, Because your heart was responsive... Because your heart was responsive, and we're going to talk, what is a responsive heart? Because I'm not going to assume that you know what that is. What is a responsive heart? Because your heart was responsive, God says, I I withheld all these bad things. Because you were humble, because you acted right away, and because you had a responsive heart. Now, I had you read verses 1 and 2 with me for a reason. Because it shows that he was 8 years old when he became king. But it says he didn't turn to the right or to the left. And it was saying, as a king, he understood he was going to follow God. Matter of fact, the writer of Second Kings is actually referring back to Deuteronomy 17. In Deuteronomy 17, Moses was saying to the Israelites, when you come into the promised land, if you want a king, and you shouldn't want a king because God should be your king, but if you want a king, he needs to be a good king. And he needs to realize that he shouldn't take many wives, and he shouldn't have lots of horses, and he can't excuse himself from the rules. Just because he's in power, he doesn't get to excuse himself from the rules of following God. He can't turn to the right or to the left. He needs to have his eyes fixed on God. And so the writer of Second Kings is telling us, Josiah from a little kid was somebody that had his eyes fixed on Jesus, didn't turn to the right, didn't to the, turn to the left. He really was like a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 17. He was a great king. So he had a responsive heart even since he was a little kid. And if I could say this to parents, you have to learn how to develop a responsive heart in your children. You have to help them to hear the voice of God and respond to it. And I thank God that my parents helped me to do that. When I was 12 years old, my, my friends were all going to this movie, and it was a birthday party, and I knew I shouldn't go to the movie. It was one of those movies that was just, you know, kind of a skin flick movie for teenage boys, you know, and I knew that we shouldn't go. But all my friends were going, And, and I'm thinking like, they're all going, I want to be with my friends. I don't want to be rejected, but I have this faith issue. Okay. And so my mom and dad are saying to me, well, we don't think you should go to the movie, but here's our deal with you today. Why don't you go downstairs to your room and pray and ask God if he'll allow you to go to the movie? Well, I knew I was getting nowhere with them. So I thought I'd work with God. Right. Yeah. So I go to my room. I'm like, God, God. You know how I want to be a witness to my friends. And, yeah, and you can't witness to them if you're not with them. So I was thinking I would go with them and then, you know, witness to them. And, you know, I'll, I'll correct all the bad parts from the movie afterwards. And you know what I'm saying, God, right? We're good with this, right? And he's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I really want to be a witness. <laughs> I want to. And he's like, not going to do it. You know you shouldn't go. And at that moment, I could have turned to the right and walked upstairs and said, you know what? God says he's cool with it. (laughs) Or I could have turned to the left and said, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. Or I could have said, I'm going to do the right thing. And I came upstairs and I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm going to do the right thing. I said, I can't go. I said, God told me I can't go. And they said, we knew he'd tell you that. And I was like, why did you make me do that then? And they said, we wanted you to develop a responsive heart. We wanted you to hear God. And know when he's speaking to you. Now, they told me later, they said, for my younger brothers, I have three younger brothers, they said they sent them to their room to pray, and they came back, they said, God's cool. They said, go pray again. You know, (laughs) like, keep praying, because you're not hearing him. Yeah, But you have to develop that. And Josiah had a responsive heart. So what is a responsive heart? Because it's the key. A responsive heart, first of all, is a heart after God's own heart. It's a heart that says, God, whatever is important to you is important to me. I'm going to be in harmony with you. God, whatever burdens you burdens me. Whatever you say is right, I'll say is right. Whatever you say is wrong, I'll say is wrong. If you say stop, I'll stop. God, I'm a, I have a heart after your own heart. I want to be more like you, so I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to be after you. That's why it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking for people that say, my heart is after your heart. My heart is after you, God. I desire what you desire. I am with you. The world says, if you can just make a good impression, who cares what's in your heart? If you can get the photo op, it's okay. God says, no, no, your heart needs to be lined up with me. Are you with me? secondly a responsive heart is an obedient heart it's an obedient heart it's one that says god when you speak to me i'll obey it now you may not know this because i didn't know it until i dug into study on this the word for listen the word for hear in the hebrew is the word shama and the word shama is the same word for obey And it's saying, when you hear the word of the Lord, you're to obey it. You you read in the Bible, it says, Hear, O Israel, or listen to what the Lord is saying to you today. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying. It's not saying it like this. Hear it so you can go, hmm, maybe I'll obey that. It's saying, hear it and obey it. It, It's not separate. It's together. And, And the word... Shama means to hear and listen and obey God, and then the word El is God. And so it's interesting, the word Samuel, Shama L, his name, Shamael means to hear and listen to God. So I took a look at Samuel, and here's somebody that hears and listens to God. In 1 Samuel 3.10, it says, The Lord came there and stood there, calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Here's someone that heard and obeyed God and said, I will have an obedient heart. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us he has such an obedient heart. In 1 Samuel 3, 19, it says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, this was a metaphor. This is an example of something that they knew in their culture, but we don't know that very well. When it says he didn't let a word fall to the ground, what it was saying is, Water was precious, and when they had water, they would take care of it. Because, see, we live in a society that, you know, we could turn on the faucet, water, there you go, okay? But they lived in a society where they'd have to go to a well or go to a stream or go to a lake. Water was precious, and so you would never waste water. You would never let it fall to the ground. You would take care of it. And so the Bible is saying that Samuel had such an obedient heart that when God spoke to him, he cherished the word of God. If God broke into his life, and if this was Samuel's life, and God broke in and said, I have something for you, and I'm going to pour into you, he said, I'm going to value it. I will not let a drop of what you say to me fall to the ground. Now, here's how we live. We say, like, yes, Lord, whatever. (laughs) Was that you suggesting something to me, God? because I don't know, because I'm just living my own life. And God's like, I'm breaking in on your life. Now think about this for a moment. The God of this universe breaks in on your life to speak to you. He tells you, forgive that person. And you should take it and not let a drop of it fall to the ground. You say, God, I'm not forgiving them. He broke in on you. He broke in it. He says, give that to that person. But Lord... I don't know that's a lot of money. Give that to that person. But Lord, I don't I maybe that's you, maybe that's not you. I don't know if that's you or not, so I won't do it. The God of this universe says, fix your marriage. Take the leadership. Go say you're sorry. And we say, I'm going to let that fall to the ground. That is not a responsive heart. A responsive heart says, I cherish every moment that God speaks to me. If he's speaking, I will hear and obey. That is a responsive heart. A responsive heart moves as the Holy Spirit moves on it. Responsive heart moves. It goes into action. When you're moved with compassion, move, go do it. When the Holy Spirit moves on you, move toward God, move toward, move away from sin, move wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to move. You start to move and you do what God is telling you to do. In this, I believe you're, you're so in tune to what the Holy Spirit wants you to move to do that you amplify and anticipate the whispers of God. Have you ever been eavesdropping, like, don't raise your hand, okay? But you've been eavesdropping and somebody next to you, like, you know, like, oh, that's so-and-so, and they're right next to us. I want to, I think they're talking about what we need to hear. And so you're kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, kind of trying to amplify, you know, without being too obvious. You're trying to listen to what they say. You're really focusing in. It amplifies it. Matter of fact, we should be anticipating what the Holy Spirit wants us to do so we can go do it amplifying and anticipating. If you ever wanted to hear from somebody so much that you walk by, you're like, did you say something? And they're like, I, I didn't say anything. Because I, I thought you said something. I'm ready. In case you're saying something, I'm ready. You know. Then you kind of freak about a little bit. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm anticipating. I am amplifying and anticipating the whispers of God so that when the Holy Spirit says to move, I move. Another thing about a responsive heart, a responsive heart is pliable, soft, and moldable pliable soft and moldable the the heart that is away from god the heart that is closed off to god the scripture says is like a heart of stone it says that's the heart that is away from god that's the heart that will not be moved that's when it says go ahead god see if you can move me that's not what he wants you to have the Bible says in Ezekiel 11:19, God speaking, he says, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're living for yourself. And all of a sudden you give your life to Jesus and he says, I will take your stony heart and I will give you a soft, responsive heart that will listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, that will listen to me. And I want you to stay focused, straight. Don't turn to the left or the right. Don't have a hard heart. And, and really, a responsive heart is compared to wax. But because I didn't have wax, they got me some Play-Doh today. And I got some Play-Doh here, and I just want to illustrate this. This is what God says the responsive heart is like. He said, it's soft, it's moldable. And the reason that the Bible compares it to wax or Plato, if you will, is because heat can melt wax and make it go where it wants to. And so when you have a responsive heart, not a stony hard heart, the Lord says, you know what? I need you to do this. I need you to be flat today. I need you to serve. And I need you to be really humble. And I need you to be really flat. And you're like, okay, Lord, flat is what it is. I'm responsive to you. I will serve. And then God's like, okay, I need you to be bold today. I need you to be strong. I need you to be like a bowling ball and have some boldness and go up to, go, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And I'll do exactly, you know what? Now I need you to receive something new that you've not got before. And God goes, and then fills it up with something that he needs. It's like jelly filled heart. You know what I mean? It's like good with God's goodness. That's the soft heart that he wants you to have. That's what he wants you to have. And he says, it's, it's moldable and it's movable and it yields to what I do. And God applies the pressure. And he says, go where I want you to be. Now, i taking this another step. How many know that Plato gets crusty if you leave the lid off? Okay, let's be honest. Our hearts get crusty just from life. God puts a pliable heart into us. All of a sudden, light comes along and, you know, it says, stand up for your rights. Don't be humble. And you just get a little crusty. You see something that you shouldn't see and you click on something you shouldn't click on and your heart gets a little crustier. You get tired because nobody helped you in your area of ministry. And so you get crusty. And then you hear something about ministry and you're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm crusty. Just because Life. God says, will you allow me, by the power of my Holy Spirit, to pour a little water on you? Water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He says, will you allow me to put a little water back on you? I need it back in. Because I need you to have a responsive heart. We're going to reach this world. I need you to have a responsive heart. I need you to be living in super abundance. I need you to change before you have to. The world isn't going to change if we just wait until the crisis. And he said, will you allow me to get that responsive heart back? So how do you know if your heart's crusty? How do you know if you need to change right now? Have you lost your compassion for the sick and the hurting and those trapped in sin? Your heart's probably getting a little crusty. Have you lost the desire to do God's will? You're kind of apathetic. Yeah, whatever, so whatever, serve. probably getting crusty. Be getting harder than you want to be. You want to have a soft heart before God. Have you lost your excitement in the work of God? When you heard the announcements today, Christmas tree lot. And did you go, oh man, that work. Yeah. Now they want us to go to Walmart and buy lights. <laughs> You're probably a little crustier than you need to be. Or did you go, Lord, what an amazing opportunity. A Christmas tree could change somebody's eternity. How cool. I even own a chainsaw. I can use it for your glory. This is so cool. Man, that's how God wants you to be. And if your heart is a little crustier than you know it should be, and God's just saying right now, that's you. You need prayer. You need to get your heart back to being soft and mobile. He says, you know what, there's things I want to change. And you know what, we're never done changing. And he just says, I want to keep changing you more into my image, more like me. And I'm going to change you. But it starts right now. I need you to get refreshed. I need you to get rid of that crustiness. And I need you to just admit that you need a little touch from me today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'll get that touch from God. So could you bow your heads? And I just want to give everybody a private moment. If that's you, you're saying, I need a touch from God. The heart's got a little crusty. I got a little edge. I don't desire God's will as much. I don't get excited about those trapped in sin as much. I don't get excited about even the opportunities to serve. But you're saying, I I realize that I need to. And I ask the Holy Spirit to pour himself out on me now. So I can have that water of refreshing and a soft, responsive heart before God. If that's you and you just say, Pastor, just include me in the prayer, nobody looking around, would you raise your hand You say, I need to have uh, just some softness put back in. It's it's a little crustier than I'd like it to be. Go ahead, raise your hand and hold it up. Yes, all across this place. Lord, I just pray for those that have their hands up and have just slipped up their hands. They're saying, my heart isn't where it needs to be. I want to be responsive. I want to be soft before you. I want to be pliable, moldable. I want to be excited about the things that excite you. So Holy Spirit, pour out your love, your your passion. Pour out just the good things that you bring to my life. Make my heart soft again and help me be excited about the things of God. Help us to have that responsive heart, moldable and pliable, Lord Jesus, so you can get us exactly where you want us, to reach exactly who we need to reach, so we can look like you and, and be overjoyed with the things of God and have super abundance pouring out onto other people thank you for that thank you for that honesty God that people said I need it I need it I want to be more in love with you Lord thank you for that now with every head bowed and every eye closed and just one last moment I couldn't preach a sermon like this without allowing people to make the ultimate change the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then face judgment that's what it says and it says whatever you do here on this earth will determine it and you can't work your way into heaven but you can receive grace and he says if you'll receive that grace here on this side of eternity you'll be forgiven of your sins Jesus Christ will forgive you of all the things that you've done wrong and make you new he'll take your stony heart and make it soft and responsive Now the Bible says there will be a day that people have to change because they have to. The Bible says there's a day coming in eternity that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But it will be too late. That will be because they have to. Those that change before they have to. On this side of eternity, the Bible says, I promise them eternal life. I promise them forgiveness. I promise them to be in right standing and relationship with God. And if that's you, you're saying, Pastor, I need it on that. I've never done that. I've never prayed. I've never asked God. I maybe I've come to church. Maybe I've, I, I feel something moving and I just, I kind of didn't know what to do. I'd love to pray at the end of this service for you that you could give your life to Jesus. And if that's you, you say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? I'm in. I, I need in on this. I'm going to change before I have to. I'm going to turn from my other ways. I want God to help me and put a new heart in my life, a new spirit. But Pastor, include me in that prayer. Would you slip up your hand so I could see that here and come to knowledge? Yes, I see your hand going up and another one going up. Are there others that would just say, I'm in. This is my moment. I'm in. I want to do this. This is real for me. This is real we'll wait for you this one, we're all praying those that have already changed before they had you they're praying for anyone else that would be in that moment that would join these couple that have already raised their hand thank you lord thank you lord for the hands that have been up and for those in that moment of decision we thank you for that you can put your hands down and i want to pray and what i want you to do is agree with this prayer just right now, in your heart, we talked about that, that inner man, that you, that you and God know. You're going to be saying, yes, Lord, I agree with this prayer. That's for me. I believe this. This is what I want in my life. So let me pray. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for those that right now have made that decision. They raise their hand, or even those that said, I wanted to, I wanted to, but now I agree with this prayer. I pray for those that are agreeing with this prayer, that right now they would say they're sorry for their sins. And they turn away from those things that they've done wrong. So just do that in your own way right now with you and God. And they're saying, Lord Jesus, I I trust you. I know that you died on the cross and you made a way so I could be forgiven. I trust you. Go ahead and trust him. Trust Lord Jesus right now. saying, I turn from those things and I want to live for you for the rest of my life. And they're asking you, Jesus, right now in their own way, they're saying, give me the strength to live that way for you, God. I thank you that they're doing that right now. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're forgiving them of their sins. And I thank you for that. pray right now they'd realize that as they just said that simple prayer even in their own mind they're just praying and they're thinking can it be that easy that I just admit it inside I want you Lord Jesus I pray that they'd realize that that they can be forgiven of their sins and in right relationship with You thank you for that. We rejoice with those that made that decision, Lord Jesus, and say thank you, God, for those that made that decision to be in a right relationship with you and say, now I live for you. Replace the stony heart with a soft heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for the change in Jesus' name. Amen
0: and amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Rob. amazing.